Uh, we're so lucky to have uh, awesome Dr. Curtly Knight come and speak for us again. So would you give him a warm welcome, please? Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Let's give, uh, let's give the worship team a hand, why don't we? I want to thank you all for leading us into worship um, tonight. What a blessing it is. I'm so happy that I could be here with y'all. Um, this time I was a wise man and brought my better half. Um, she's much prettier than I am. Sitting over there, Iva, that's my lovely wife. We've been married for eight years, going on nine in December, and been together for 12 total. And so I am 100%, not just saying this is true, I am 100% a better person and a better man and even a better Christian because of my wife, Iva. So I just want to recognize her and thank her for coming. Um, And thank you for Adam. Adam's not here, but I love him. Um, And he's awesome. Where did he go? He's on vacation? He went to Broken Bow. That's right. I had lunch with him this week. That's right. He said he was going to Broken Bow. I love that place. So, Adam, if you're listening via, uh, if you get this eventually, hi. I said hello to you. Um, you all really have an awesome pastor. You really do. Um, he's a great guy. We meet, every, we meet every month. There's a group of East Dallas pastors we get together called the Anchored Collective. And so I get a chance to talk to Adam there and we text and keep in touch. He's a great guy. and I'm, I'm really happy um, to, to know him. So let me, let me try something uh, out, uh, see if you catch it. Christ is risen. Okay, there we go. Let's say it again. Christ is risen. Is risen Christ is risen. He is risen That's right. He's risen indeed. Uh, let me get started this evening. If you could do me a favor and turn with me in your Bibles, I think, or your flip it on your app or whatever you have. I'm going to be in 1 John, the book of the epistle 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses, uh, 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to read all the way through 2, 2, so it's only going to be 12 verses. 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to read all the way from 1 to 2, 2. That which was from the beginning which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 8. 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. I'm getting a little feedback here. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Sorry, catch with me briefly. Father, bless us in the next few minutes as we open up your word, as we share, um, as we... Um, contemplate John's first epistle and we talk a little bit about practicing resurrection, about practicing resurrection. In your name we pray, amen. Easter uh, was only a few short weeks ago. Easter is just a few weeks behind us. The alleluias we've, we've shouted are still ringing in some of our ears, right? The songs that we've sung are fresh on our minds. Even today, the good news of the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus that goes ahead of us is still fresh in our minds, fresh in our imagination. And yet Easter is not over, right? Just as we have the season of Lent, which is a 40-day season in the life of the church, Easter is actually a 50-day season spanning all the way from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday, this year, May 20th. And it's with the resurrection fresh on my mind this week as I was studying this text that I asked myself, now that Easter is over, right? now that Easter is, is Easter Sunday anyway, now that, now that Easter Sunday is, is behind us, can't we just savor in the resurrection as a mental belief without changing the way that we live? Can't we just ignore the sin around us and, and our complicity to it and, and the sin in our own lives? Be, be, because, because I've accepted the forgiveness of God offered through, through Jesus, can't I just live any way that I see fit and at the same time believe in the resurrection? And the passage that I just read from you, I just read for you from 1 John, responds with a resounding No. You can't. But not everybody in John's community believed this, actually. It's interesting. They all weren't convinced. Perhaps some 60 years ago, stay with me, we'll, we'll get there. Perhaps some 60 years after the resurrection, First John is this letter that's written to a church divided. That's the situation in this epistle. And, and interestingly enough, the division... Um, we don't have this today. We don't do this in our churches today, right? Uh, but the division is over right belief and doctrine. We don't do that, though. <laughs> Many in the church held to this, to the standard orthodox belief that Jesus was indeed the Christ and he was the Messiah. He, he was, he is the Son of God, the very embodiment of God. And that this same Jesus was the one who, who died and, and was resurrected. But then, then there was also some 
who broke away from the community because of a different set of beliefs. This latter group seems to have denied that Jesus was the Christ, that, that God had not come in the flesh incarnate in Jesus. They, they denied that Jesus' Jesus' death, that, that if it did mean anything at all, it was merely spiritual and, and not a real physical death amongst a, a host of other beliefs. They had some strange beliefs, this little group. Now, now, Kurtley, you spent the first couple of minutes telling us about the beliefs of, of, of these people, um, but, but why does it all matter? Why does the beliefs of these people matter? I know that's the question you're, answer, you're, you're asking yourself. Let me answer it for you. Aren't we all capable of having our own beliefs, right? What, what difference does it make? Well, well, well it's, an interesting, it's an interesting question because it's interesting how, our, how, how their beliefs about God and faith shaped their actions. These secessionists, that's what I'm going to call them, claimed to know God but lived as if they didn't know God. They claimed, John says, and John in First John chapter one, they claimed to be in, in relationship, in fellowship with God, all the while they were habitually living in darkness. They alleged, John says, to be to be living a just life, uh, uh, to be living a just life, walking in the light, but their actions suggest otherwise. They believed, John says, that they have achieved some some saintly status that they had no they had no ongoing sin in their lives, or perhaps that they were just indifferent to it. But their conviction was untruthful. This group of people, they claim to know God. They, they claim to believe, perhaps in some spiritualized version of the resurrection. They claimed to be walking in the truth, and yet they never put the truth into practice. In short, they had developed such a spiritualized view of Christ that the earthly, physical reality of Jesus no longer mattered much, nor did their earthly and physical actions. Now, 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 all of this that I'm telling you, all of this deeply matters. Why? Because what's at stake, listen to me, what's at stake is whether our actions testify to the truths that we confess. Whether our lives line up to our beliefs. And in 1 John, the truth is not simply something that we think or something that we believe. It's something that we do. But when we believe as they did, that our faith is separate from our actions, we are in fact denying the resurrection of Jesus. For the resurrection of Jesus is not merely meant to be believed, it's meant to be lived. And the truth is this evening that, that, that we think like these people do sometimes as well. When I was a little boy, I, my mother was a nurse. My mother, uh, she raised three boys by herself. And my mother was, I mean, my mother was like super mom, y'all. She, she, uh, she raised three African-American boys by herself. Uh, she, she went to school and she worked. And so my mother wasn't always around sometimes. And she was a nurse. And so she worked 7P to 7A. My mother, uh, next week on Friday, in fact, turns 70 years old and is still working 7P to 7A. So my mother, um, what she would do as little kids, of course, we love to play 
uh, back in the day was Super Nintendo. That was our thing. I'm telling my age. I know I don't look like that young, but it's true. I mean, that, that old. I don't look that old, but it's true. Super Nintendo was our thing. But my mother would, would when, when she would go away to work, she would hide the Super Nintendo because she knew that we would just stay up and play it. And, and she used to tell us, and, and so my eldest brother, he was in charge while she was gone, and she would say, make sure that Derek and Kurtley, my other brother, make sure y'all all get to bed on time. And so, and so of course, as good children that we were, um, um, what we would do is we would find the place where she hid the Super Nintendo, and we would just play it. And sometimes we would get it confused. Sometimes we'd get her shift confused because she'd work 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. But every now and again, she'd work a 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. And so sometimes while we were up at 11 p.m. playing the Super Nintendo, we would hear the car roll in. And so we have to run back and put the Nintendo wherever it was that, that she hid it. And sometimes we'd get it wrong and she'd catch us red-handed. Now, the thing about it was, is that when we stayed up late to play Super Nintendo, all those, all those times, we stayed up late, and the repercussions were that we'd go to school the next day dead tired. We'd go to school tired and exhausted. We, we, would, we would go to school not being able to pay attention. Why? You know, the, the, problem, the problem wasn't that we had freedom. She used to let us play the Super Nintendo for a little while. The problem was not the freedom. The problem was that we abused the freedom. And the old adage is still true. To whom much is given, much is required. In a world characterized by iPhones and iPads and selfies, we exist in a culture that caters to what we want and how we feel. Objectivity has gone the way of of the dinosaur, and with it, the rise of alternative facts has taken center stage. In our culture, what is true depends on our political alliances or our social ideology. In our culture, truth is ultimately defined by what's inside of us, right? Not by what's outside of us. It's, it's, it's a type of disembodied spirituality, that is, that is a spirituality that is, de- that is detached from the outside world. In short, the spirituality of our day defines truth not by what is real, but by how we feel. Does that make sense? This is the type of spirituality that we, that we swim in every day. And if we're honest, many of us, many, if we're honest, many of us, for many of us, it has begun to rub off. Thinking that faith should be defined as my faith, right? Or truth should be limited to my truth. We hear a lot of that nowadays. We have become like little islands unto ourselves. And pretty soon, nothing matters except how we feel. So we can be rude and disrespectful to strangers because it doesn't, they don't matter. We can objectify women and treat them any way that we want, even Christian men, because they don't matter. We can treat immigrants and refugees uh, uh, who are running away from war with disregard because they don't matter. We can treat the poor any way that we want because they don't matter. 
Our relationships with our friends uh, doesn't matter. Our relationship with our families, do, do, it, they don't matter. Our relationship with, with, with God's good creation doesn't matter. Our relationship with God's people, with the community of faith, with, with the church doesn't matter. The only thing that matters in our society today is how we feel inside. And it's true that, that, that many of us believe the creed that Jesus has died for our sins and for the sins of the world, including and, and, and he's died for all of our sins and he's risen from the grave. And therefore, in this age of grace, we say we're free to do whatever we want and to say whatever we want and to watch whatever we want and to go wherever we want. Notice the emphasis is on what we want. And despite wherever this leads us, Despite the habitual darkness it may take us to, we refuse to acknowledge the truth that just because God has saved us for himself, it doesn't mean that he's done saving us from ourselves. And despite the habitual sin that engulfs us, we hold on to the comforting claim that we know God even while little of him is reflected in our lives. But here's the truth. We bear witness to the resurrection, not just by what we claim, but by how we live. We bear witness to the resurrection, not, by, not just by what we say, but by what we do. John says, John says, John says, the incarnate God, the word of God, the word of God is not an abstract idea, First John. No, he says, he says, we've physically seen him and, and what he's done with our own eyes. We've touched him with our own hands and we've experienced life with him. We've heard the things that have come out of his mouth with our own ears. John is saying that the God of heaven embodied in Jesus Christ is not a disembodied spirit or, or a figment of our imagination. He's physically real. He's saying that Jesus, he's saying that what Jesus did in his body mattered. That's what the first part of First John is all about. And if God is light, meaning that he has no darkness in him at all, and if his character was displayed in the life of Jesus, and if we as Christians are called to follow Jesus, then it matters what people see when they see us. It matters what people hear when they hear the things that come out of our mouths. It matters what they, what they touch, what they experience when they're in our presence. What we do, how we live our lives matters. Because the way that we feel inside is not what ultimately defines us. The way we live our lives defines us. In high, in, in, in high churches, right? In, in, in high liturgical churches, Episcopalian, uh, high church Presbyterian, Catholic, uh, in the high Episcopal, in the high liturgy churches, there's, a, there's this whole theology of the procession. It's very interesting. So, like, you see how it was time for me to preach, and I just got up from, from the seat and just came up here? They, 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 don't, they, they, don't, they don't do that. Like, if you go to a Catholic or Episcopalian or Anglican church, if you go to one of their churches, you'll notice that they don't do that at all, and there's a reason. When you go to the, to, to the, to the service, to the liturgy, the, 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 the priest, the minister, uh, and the Bible always comes in from the back. They come in in a processional. 
You know, I've thought about doing this. Like, I thought about doing it today. I thought about doing it. I've got a few. I've got some priestly robes at home. I've I've got them. I was thinking I was just going to just walk in from the back. They've, they've got this whole theology. They really do. They have this whole thing. The, 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 the priests will never just pop up and preach from the middle. The Bible will never just pop up from the middle of the congregation. The Bible and the priest, the man of God, always comes from outside and they process in. And here's what they're trying to communicate. They're trying to communicate that truth comes from outside of us. Truth is never found simply in us. They're trying to communicate it through symbolic. They're trying to symbolize this idea that truth comes from outside of us and speaks to us. That truth in and of itself is not just inside of us. Truth comes from the outside. Truth comes from the word of God. What we feel inside is not what ultimately defines us. The truth that, 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 that changes us from the outside does so, so, so that we can live differently in the world for it's, it's the way that we live that defines us, not what we say. And to be clear, John is not, he's not calling us to perfection either, right? Or perfectionism rather either. He's not doing that. He's, all he's doing is inviting us into a sustained life with God. Living a life in and for God is not about our perfection. It's about our willingness to be habitually open to the will of God. The question that we have to ask ourselves every single day, are we habitually open? Are we regularly open towards God and his revelation in Jesus to us on a daily basis? That's what it means to walk in the light. Are we, are we open every day to what God has for us? Are we open to God's will each and every time we get up in the morning? Are we open to the revelation of God in Jesus every single day? Now, now, now in our Christian walk, we're going to make mistakes and, and, and we're going to struggle with sin. But, but living a life in and for God is not about our perfection. It's about being honest with God and ourselves about who we are and, habitu- and, the, and, and habitually confessing those things to the one who, who, who can forgive us. People always say, well, the de- you know, no, no, the devil made me do it. No, 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 the devil didn't make you do it. Just be honest with yourself, right? Be, we got we to gotta be honest with ourselves about our sin. We got to be honest about the things that we struggle with, the things that we wrestle with. We have to be honest with them, and then we bring them to the Lord. We confess them to the Lord, because when we continue to live in darkness, we only continue to live in guilt and shame. At my church at Epiphany, we, we, we practice a weekly confession as a part of our as a part of our liturgy, as part of our service each, each week for, for this very reason. We publicly confess so that we can grow in awareness of our individual and collective darkness so that it can be dragged into the light of God's grace. One of my favorite church fathers, Augustine, says, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. So how do we practice resurrection? We start by being honest. We start by being open. We're being open to the will of God for our lives. Because it's not enough just to say that Christ is risen, the Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It's not enough just to say that. What people see from us, what people hear from our lips, 
what people experience when they're around us. That's what matters. What we do, what we do matters. So if Jesus is alive, and if the resurrected Jesus has gone ahead of us, shouldn't it make a difference in the way that we live? Because here's the truth. We bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Not by, not just by what we claim, but by how we live. The question that we must ask ourselves is if we're living what we're claiming. Bow your heads with me. Father, give us your grace. that we might live for you. Give us your grace to live what we claim. Give us your strength to believe not only with our lips, but with our hands and with our feet. Help us to embody your gospel make it a part of our daily lives so that others will know that we too have been raised to life with Jesus and that by your power and by your spirit you are making us and all of your creation. We ask these things in your name. Please remain standing as we receive our benediction. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Go in peace.